Thanks so much for tuning in, listening in uh, to this message. We are going to eventually, though not yet, be in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20 as we're working through the book of 1 Peter. But let's pray together before we go any further. Uh, that way we can just dive into what God has. Uh, as always, if you're driving, don't close your eyes and pray. It's okay. God still honors it. Be safe. God, we pray a prayer of thanks. Uh, we love you. We pray that your word will permeate our lives, that it will be made known to us, that we'll know what you mean and what you intend and how we can apply um, these verses. May our theology, may our doctrine, may our application, our discipleship um, grow because of the truth of your word. And we just thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in the encouragement series, we're, we're looking to give you courage through the encouragement of First Peter, from Peter, uh, to live boldly for Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the whole point. This is written to people who love God, who love Jesus, to people who don't love God and, and don't love Jesus, to encourage them to live for him, whether it's salvation or uh, to make disciples and become more mature. So in this specific message, we're going to look at the passage of 1 Peter chapter 3, 18 through 20. We'll get there. So I'm going to give you a lot of runway so you can take off with us once we um, reach that. But I want to talk about a little bit of the important to God tension that exists um, in this particular passage. Now, we know because the Bible tells us, we see it through personal experience that when we ignore the evidence of Jesus Christ, that he's real, that he's the Savior, that he's the Messiah, that will lead to and is leading to an eternal disaster. Just an, an awful deal. You, you close your eyes, you, you die unexpectedly uh, in, in this life, and you wake up in eternity, and have you ignored or denied, not embraced and confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, not believed in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, that is leading to disaster. Now, we know as Christians that embracing the evidence of Jesus Christ, that understanding the fruit of that leads to an eternal, everlasting, forever joy. That we will find ourselves in heaven, not in hell. We will be rejoicing with the other Christians, family members and friends and, and the great giants of the scriptures as we worship God and, and, and serve him and rejoice in all that is heaven. And we know that this is important to God because of these scriptures that we're going to look at. And, and as we look at these, I, I kind of want to give you uh, the one thing to kind of think about and process through when we get to the scriptures. So the one thing says this, God's grace gives us today to obey. Now, I know you're probably like me and, and you plan and you work for the future. I know that when I was in college and, and growing up, it was always like, what's your, what's your one-year plan? What's your three-year plan? What's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? And, and in that circumstance, you're always looking forward. But we know we only live in today. 
And it's by God's grace that he gives us this day. And there are some important things about this day that we need to remember, that we need to live for. If we've never embraced and like never understood, we need to make that a part of the fabric, not only of our lives, but our soul. That it's so interwoven in us that we can't be separated from it. So it's only by God's grace that we have today to obey, right? What is it? Don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. It's so true. Don't put what God's plan and good path for you is today for tomorrow or go, oh, I've already accomplished that in the past. There's no need for this anymore. That's not true. New mercies every morning. God's got a great purpose for you this day and it's going to be hard. It's going to, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to be a warrior. Sometimes you're just going to have to be a peacemaker and love and give grace. But when it comes to God's grace, we have today to obey, to be faithful, right? Um, obedience is greater than sacrifice. Now, let me give some context to this. Give a little context to this, this point here as we're talking about the need for God's grace, right? The need for it to happen. So, Jesus Christ was, was put to death um, in the flesh so that we can be made alive in the spirit. But you're thinking, but wait. I think, therefore I am, right? Oh, um, to be or not to be. I don't got to answer that question. I'm being. And you look at all this and go, what do you mean made alive in Christ? We know through the scriptures because God loves us so much. He tells us before salvation, we are dead. Our soul is bound for eternal disaster and separation from God. We know that if we are not saved by grace through faith, then we will not find ourselves not only in heaven, but be able to live in the full protection and provision of Jesus Christ. So we have to understand, as the scripture is going to bear forth, that in the context of this day, the God's grace that he gave you, because you woke up and you're still alive, you still got a purpose and a mission, that he put to death in the flesh, right? We're talking about Easter. I mean, the real meaning of Easter. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. In the flesh, this happened so that we can be made alive in the spirit. Your spirit is that which will last forever. Once you're born and you're alive, you will continue on. You will never fade into existence and disappear and fade off. You will never move to some place where there isn't. You will now exist forever somewhere. Everybody spins forever somewhere. So when you look at this context, you know, look, for the non-Christian, God says, be saved. For the Christian, God says, praise and credit, live in such a way that I give praise and credit as God and make disciples. And this is, by the way, such good news, that your spirit is able to be made alive. So let's just look at the scriptures. It, it's going to bear this out for us a little bit more. So 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 18. For Christ, Jesus, also suffered once for sins. We're talking about the cross. Leading up to that, all Passion Week. Suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus for all of us. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So, um, it, this is what's called... Penal substitutionary atonement. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of the good news of great joy that is for all people from Luke chapter 2. That, that they say it that the, the peanuts 
Christmas thing that Linus quotes, the good news for all people is this verse. And this, by the way, in all of the Bible is some of the most succinct descriptions of the heart of the gospel. Why Christ suffered, who he suffered for, the purpose of that suffering, all in one verse, one sentence. And the reason this is important is because you've got to unpack this verse. Jesus' death on the cross, it paid the penalty for our sins, which is death. That, uh, when, when we're born, when we come into existence in this life, we immediately have original sin. We are originally depraved. We are not good and holy. We, we are none of these things. So we need to be saved from that. We owe God a great debt which we can never pay. Our sin says that if we die in it, we deserve spiritual death, hell separation from God. But Jesus was sent by God in order to come in, what we celebrate is Christmas, in order to come in and help bring and usher in this salvation. When it says the righteous for the unrighteous, that's Jesus Christ for everybody else. All sins, everywhere, all time. And Jesus' death and burial, right, is there to take our place on the cross and in the tomb. That's the substitutionary part. We're the ones who are guilty because of our wrongdoings and our own thinking. We're, we're the ones who deserved to be on that cross with the other two thieves. We deserve to have our beer drank out, the crown of thorns, our clothes gambled after. Yet Jesus took our place. We were the ones that should have been set into that tomb, which, praise God, is now empty. Amen? Empty. That's supposed to be our resting place. That was supposed to be our deal. But Jesus substitutes himself, is put as the perfect Lamb of God to be the sacrifice, to shed his blood, so that when he's resurrected, he will undo the effects of our sin and restore us to God as we are saved by grace through faith. So you, you have to realize that, wait, I no longer owe this penalty? No. I mean, you read stories all the time, right, of people offering scholarships or donating things or, or paying off bills for someone. You go, man, I wish somebody would do that for me. I wish somebody would pay off my bills or my mortgage or my loans or give me a free car or do this thing for that. And, and if they did and you've ever been blessed that way, you're ecstatic. You're full of joy. You're like, whoa, God provides. Yes and Amen. Well, in the greatest need of all of humanity, Jesus lives, dies, and rose again by the power of God, according to scriptures, for the forgiveness of our sins. And that's the atonement part. At the end of that verse um, that it talks about, so that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but alive in the spirit. You can, you can almost imagine us standing there, and Jesus is like, who speaks for this person? Ooh, good example. Have you ever been to a wedding um, where the, the father of the bride comes down with the bride, and they're like, who gives this woman away to be married? And then the father would usually say, um, her, her mother and I. So imagine you wake up into eternity because you're dead in the earth. You wake up in eternity and God's like, who gives this person? And Jesus stands up and speaks on our behalf and says, it is I, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For they have believed in me. They have confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. They believed in the heart that God raised me, Jesus, from the dead. They are saved. I vouch for them. They're in. I've paid the price. It's finished. And come in. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Or the opposite side. Who 
vouches for this person? Who speaks on behalf? God looking to Jesus goes, no, he, she, they denied me their whole life. They never accepted the free gift of grace in order to be saved. God will say, depart from me, I know you not, to the place of, of weeping and gnashing of teeth and eternal fire. And sends those people away. All because they did not receive and respond with human responsibility to the free grace that God gives. That is where we all sit today, Christian or not. Received and accepted the free grace of God or not. So in the midst of this, you have to answer the questions of salvation. Have you been made alive in the spirit as it says here? Have you been born again? Are you a Christian? And not just someone who follows Christian things. Not just someone who goes to church. So that's extremely important. Not just someone who ties and, and studies their Bible and serves and does good things. Those are all important. Those things don't save you. Not someone who's been baptized. Those things don't save you either. But someone who's been saved by the name of Jesus Christ. Been forgiven of their sins and confessed it. Are you someone who's been made alive in the spirit? Saved by that grace. Forgiven of your sins. Because that's the key in all of this. Christ suffers for us so that we won't have to suffer that death. So yes, we die in the flesh every day. We don't live for self-gratification. We live for self-denial. We put ourselves in the back burner, ourselves last, so that others may draw closer to who God is. Because that's, according to this verse, what Jesus did. Read all the Gospels. Read all the Old Testament and you'll see. Jesus always putting God out front. Always trying to get you to come in and draw a little bit closer and a little bit closer. So he brings this to us. So what are two? Just two. What are two of the many reasons that Jesus suffered on the cross for your neighbor? Maybe it's easier to think of this in a third person. But what are two of the many reasons? One, that he, being Jesus, might bring us to God. There's no way to God but through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So if you want to get to Jesus, and you want to get to him, then you've got to come through salvation. If you want to get to God, you've got to go through Jesus. It is a narrow road, but a joyful one. It's hard, but worth it. So you have to answer the question, why did he suffer on the cross? What are some of the reasons for that for your neighbor? So that they'll know the way to God. How to get to him. All roads do not lead to God. The road of Jesus is the only one that leads to him. And also that we might be made alive in our spirit. To have the assurance of our faith, the confidence of Christ to go, you know what? I'm saved. I'm a Christian. And no matter how great this life gets, I'm not going to let it squash Jesus in my spirit. No matter how hard this life gets, I'm not going to let it squash what Christ is doing in and through me. No matter how mundane and normal and sort of lukewarm I'm tempted, I'm not going to let it squelch what I'm trying to do and fulfill for God as he's called me to and leads me through. So you say, man, what are two of the reasons that he might bring us to God because we can't do it ourselves and we might be made alive in the spirit. We can't do it without God either. In fact, it's a gift we receive freely. And look about, these next two verses are going to talk about why this is so important. Why this is so necessary. You're going to get, just, here we go. Let's just look. Verse 19. So in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. So just, what we're doing is, they're like, here's what Jesus did. 
And then we're going to get a picture of an, an Old Testament uh, Spirit of Christ at work to show us why this is important. So, there are now spirits, human um, existence that is in prison. Those who are not in heaven but are in hell. They never accepted the gospel message, the freeing message of God. They never received it. It was given to them and they rejected it. But it tells us in the past, you can go back to read it in 1 Peter chapter 1 through 11 to see that more of the Spirit of Christ at work. But he starts going and, and sharing the gospel. And we know that this prison is the place of eternal separation from God. And that the spirits are, is an example of, of, of our spirits or a collection of spirits of people that are now in prison and separated. It tells us in Hebrew 9.27 that his appointed man wants to die and then the judgment. And it also tells us in Luke 16.26 uh, that there's this great chasm that separates those in hell and those in heaven. Read it's a fascinating story. Um, two guys are in eternity. One guy looks from hell, dip the tongue, finger in the water on the tongue. It's just, it's fascinating to see the glimpse of that. And we're seeing here in verse 19, he goes, look, I want you to see and know about those who have already rejected and what happened to them. They are in a prison they will never be able to escape. They're going to be in a place where they're not going to be able to find freedom because they've already chosen to go against Christ. That's why they're in prison. Who goes to prison? The guilty in a perfect world and a perfect society, which God is in his perfect judgment, only the guilty who have not been forgiven of their sins go to this prison. So it's telling us that. So now you, we, us, now, here, others where we work, others where we worship, others where we live, we are to proclaim the time of the good news because we know that there are two possible outcomes. Prison or freedom. Hell or heaven. And you can experience those then. You can experience those then now in this life. The, the, the way is proclaimed which we should surrender to. What have you surrendered to? There's still time, right? Remember the one thing. God's grace gives us today to obey. Jesus puts it this way. We get this day in which we may obey, but he says this analogy. The axe is at the root of the tree. I've done that. I've cut trees down before. You kind of want to get prepared, so you prop that axe kind of right on up against that tree stump. You're like, I'm going to get you in a minute, and you're, you're just preparing, and you're getting ready. That's what today is for you. In fact, that's what, that's what right now is, as you're watching, as you're listening, as you're engaging. The axe is at the root of your tree of life. You don't know if you've got an hour left or a hundred hours left. So God's telling you, like, look, verse 19, there are people who are in prison, and they're not getting out. We read in Revelation, that eventually the devil and all the fallen angels will be put into the same prison. And they will never get out. No more temptation. No more sin. And it goes on to talk about that is, is this proclaiming. That's what I love about this verse 19. That he, before they went to prison, he proclaimed, right? He went and proclaimed to those spirits who are in prison. We told you what, what the truth was and what not to do. Now you're in there because you violated that law. So how can we proclaim the freedom of being saved by grace through faith to our families, our co-workers, and our neighbors? Look, it's, it's clear and creative. The answer is simple. Say what the Bible says 
do what the Bible says to do. The creative part comes in the infinite wisdom of the Holy Spirit and God who just simply says, here's how we're going to do this in your life. Here's how we're going to do this with your amazing talent to bake. Here's how we're going to do this with your amazing ability with mechanics. Here's how we're going to do it with your just intelligent, witty, smart, hospitable, fast, strong skills. So when it comes to proclaiming, you just do what you can do. The, the gifts that God's given you. Say what the Bible says and do what the Bible says to do. But that's one of the things um, I loved, well, still loved about Billy Graham, right? You'd go to his crusades, you'd, you'd watch them on the television, you'd participate, and he'd always say, the Bible says, I wish I had his voice, the Bible says, and then he'd tell you just what the Bible says. And the power of God would work in that moment. So at your workplace, in the boardroom, and I know what you're thinking, I could never say the Bible says. Why not? People have been saying the Bible says all the time in relationships in scriptures. These guys were kings following the Lord, meeting with their wise men, going, what does God's word say? So you find ways to introduce that, to get that in. That's how you proclaim the freedom to people. They can find freedom in their relationships. They can find freedom in their hopes and in their dreams. They can find freedom in their hardness and illness. So we proclaim and do those things. Now, 19 and 20 go together. So this will make a little bit more sense because they're talking about a specific group. But look at verse 20. Listen to verse 20. It's talking specifically about um, those spirits that are in prison that Jesus' message was proclaimed to. Um, 20. Because they formally did not obey, that's why they're in prison forever, when God's patience waited in what? The days of Noah. While the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, come on, were brought safely through the water. So, so let, me, let me just... Initial brush by on this, right? So the reason they're now in prison is because they didn't obey before, right? So God, that's this one thing. God gives grace today to obey. Though when you're talking about this, a lot of people, we don't mention this much about Noah because he did such a monumental, I mean, he built a basically an ocean liner for the animals. But when you go back and you read the story of Noah, you know this. The Spirit of Christ told Noah not only are you to build this ark, you're also to proclaim the message of freedom, to, the, the message of salvation, to, to turn to God and to believe. So in a world that had grown so wicked, so 120 years before the flood, Moses gets this message he's going to do. Then, sometime he, he has kids, they grow up. Then about 70 years before the flood actually happens, he starts and takes that time to build the ark. And all that time, when we're talking about, how did he build the ark? And this is crazy. Did he have people to help him? And we move to that. We don't want to forget that why he was doing his calling and his job and his role as a faithful believer, that all the time the Spirit of Christ was telling him, proclaim the news. And what was that? Hey guys, there's a big flood about to come. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. And they're like, you're crazy. Literally the Bible says, the people thought Noah was insane. It had never rained before. They had never seen that. He's building a, a boat in the middle of a place where, where there's no easy way to get there. And it's huge. So we get this example of those who are in prison because they didn't obey in those days of Noah. And there's so many more references in scriptures about that. In the, like, like the days of Noah. 
And he says, look, they're prepared. This is a heads up, pay attention insight. God is like, you want to end up like the eight. I don't know. Maybe we should get like t-shirts. It just says like the eight right on it. And then we got the number eight on the back. Because think about this. This is so insane. In a world that has been populating and people were living for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and nine hundreds of years. God goes, look, you're not obeying my word. I have given you uh, 120 years to respond to this message. And you have it. So then we get the animals coming in two by two of every kind. They go in. God shuts the door. Water from, from above in the atmosphere, up from the ground. It all just bursts open and comes down. And everybody on the planet but eight people die. So this analogy, that's not even an analogy. This literal example, it says that God's patience, his grace still exists today. And we are given it to obey. It's interesting, right? Will, will you receive the gospel of salvation? Will you proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ? Or will you drown in your unforgiveness? In the hallways and the aisles and the boardrooms and the living rooms and the online presence and media for those who have no faith in Jesus Christ. That's what's happening here. Peter's like, look, there were only eight people on the entire planet that survived and they knew for 120 years it was coming. We live here on the coast. And we don't get 120 year warning when hurricanes come. We get maybe a week, maybe. People don't really get serious till about two or three days before because they want to wait and see how it goes. But imagine if we had 120 years to get ready, what would happen? But we know what would happen. Some would believe and some wouldn't. And many would perish because they didn't follow and receive the free gift of grace. The, the amount of human responsibility here is staggering. And I don't want to drown in my unforgiveness. In fact, I won't, not because I'm so good and great, but because Jesus is and he's forgiven me of my sins. And I've confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. So in that midst, I now know that no matter where I go, I want to proclaim the message of Jesus. I want to live out those Bible ways. In fact, for someone who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, what's so amazing about grace? For someone who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, what's so amazing about that? I mean, people are looking at the ark going, big deal. You build a huge boat like in a desert. Yay for you. You're a crazy man. Similar thing applies to us. It, it, it's funny how Solomon was so right. The, the, you know, just the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. There's nothing new under the sun mentality. But here's some reasons why grace is so amazing. First of all, we know that there is uh, death coming for us all. Eventually, this mortal shell is going to shed its spirit. And we're just going to be free of it. And then we're going to spend forever somewhere. And either you're going to decide that for yourself, or you're going to accept and receive what Jesus Christ has chosen and given and offered. But what's so amazing about grace? And look, this list seriously is unending. I mean, I had to stop myself because like, I can't just keep writing this stuff because that's a lot to write. That's a lot to put down in the notes. But it saves... Here's just a few things about why grace is so amazing. Um, it saves us... Uh, it's more specific. It saves you from the wages of sin, which is spiritual death. 
It's a free gift of God for those who ask and receive it. The Bible tells us everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Heaven waits when you die, not hell. And heaven is, is it's better than you can ever imagine a dream, no matter how big you can imagine a dream. Jesus never leaves you or forsakes you in this life. So, so not only do you have an eternity of amazingness waiting for you, but Jesus is always there with you every single moment of the day. When you're sleeping, when you're awake, when you're tired, when things are going great, saying things you shouldn't do, thinking things you shouldn't do, saying things you should, thinking things you should, Jesus is there. Grace is so amazing because it's free, it's paid for, Jesus lived, died, buried, rose again. So everybody can have it if they just receive it. If they just receive it. So based on this message, knowing what happened in the days of Noah, and we know that God's not going to flood the earth anymore because that's what the rainbow means. In the Bible, the rainbow is God's reminder that it'll never flood the earth that way. But we read in Revelations a lot about that he's going to, the, the earth's going to catch fire, it's going to burn up. A, a third of the people, there's, there's vegetation problems, there's agricultural problems, there's water problems. There are a lot of other ways for this earth to be cleansed. And God's going to look and go, okay, you know what happened in the days of Noah. You feel and you know that those days are similar to this. People getting married and having kids and doing whatever they want just like they did in the days of Noah. But, but something's coming for them that, that none of us can escape. There's no vaccine you can take, no mask you can wear to keep death from you. So based on this message, what's something that you can do to become more like Jesus? And yes, yes you, because God doesn't just want your spiritual faith and growth to come through me, but he wants to work in and through you to bring sanctification, to help you become uh, more holy, to, to, to strive and grab on to holiness, to be like Jesus, to love like Christ and live like Jesus. That's why we exist, to bring God glory and to make disciples. So worship. Here's what you can do in your personal worship. Trust in and obey today. Just, just today. Past, there's redemption and forgiveness if you need it or celebration and joy if you got it. For the future, man, that's where God is. Don't worry about that. Today's got enough trouble of its own. Yes and amen. So trust and obey. Trust in Jesus and obey today. Salvation isn't an option. It's the only option. Be forgiven and live like it. There are not other ways to get to God. It's only through Jesus Christ. Being a good person doesn't get you into heaven. Being a bad person doesn't keep you out of heaven. What gets you in is Jesus Christ. That's the deal. So I would say to you, trust in and obey today. How's that going for you? How's your obedience to what God's called you to do? This day that you're listening, the plan that God has, how's that going? Double down, trust in and obey. Let's think about community. You're, you're out with others, right? Think about Noah's calling or Jesus' example or Peter's. Proclaim the way of Jesus. Use your actions. Noah building the ark. Use your utterances. Hey, a flood's coming. Bad days ahead. Unless you repent and turn, have faith in God. To draw people closer to God and strengthen their biblical responses to life. Let them see and hear what you do and be able to mimic and follow that as you follow Jesus Christ. Service, here's a great way you can serve others. This one's hard, but man, it's so good. It's going to save you so much grief. Can I just testify to that? This will save you 
so much grief in your life. It's unreal what takes place. Um, just like God does, just like Christ does, fill the gaps with grace. When there's gaps between you and God's relationship, when there's gaps between you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit's relationships, what does he do? He fills it with grace. You're still alive. You're still here. You've still got a chance to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've still got an opportunity to live this day, Christian, for him fully. So I say, and I would encourage you, fill the gaps with grace. Be patient with God, others, and yourself. Allow grace to permeate the moment so that Jesus Christ can dwell in the heart. You guys heard that phrase, right? You catch more flies with honey than vinegar. You heard that. It's also true. So in the moments with the co-workers, with the spouse, family, neighbors, fill those gaps with grace. Devil's going to want to tell you all kinds of stuff. Your flesh is going to mess you up and make you think all kinds of bad things. But fill the gap with grace. Allow God to work and do his good deal in that moment. Be a great way to serve others. And, and finally, multiplication. Invite others to, to acts of real kindness with you. Be prepared to engage, right? Be prepared to engage others with your time, talents, and treasures so that they can draw closer to God, saved or not. Most work at building, building, building. He'd go down and get supplies. He's running through town, getting stuff, working to God. He's just telling people, hey, look, God's coming. But you also invite them into acts of real kindness with you because you're like, look, this is how I live my faith out. This is what I do for others. Let's go over. And it is, if they're a Christian or not, still bring them along. It's a huge testimony to that. To say, look, God is willing to accept and receive you right now where you are. And he's going to love you enough not to just leave you where you are, but to help you find new depths of love and strength and encouragement and wisdom that you never ever could have had on your own, no matter how smart, strong, or fast, or pretty you are. So I'd encourage you, invite others along in your journey with Jesus and allow others to help you turn the pages and write new ones in your grace story. To engage them as Noah was so desperately trying so that more than eight people would be saved. So we do that together as a local church. We partner with other local churches. We, we get outside these walls in order to live and move. That, that will revolutionize your work. That will change your relationships in your marriage. That will help Christ to invade, man. Filling the gaps with grace, real kindness to others in the name of Jesus and for God's good glory. Let's look at the one thing one last time. Listen to the one thing one last time. God's grace gives us today to obey. This is simple. We're going to keep it simple. We'll just keep it real simple. Today's grace for you who are, who's not a Christian is to obey and be saved. I mean, that's it. It's time right now to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and be saved. Ask God to forgive you for your sins. In fact, we're going to do that right now. Because you've got to pray. You've got to receive. You've got to respond to God. So let's pray. God, we, we are praying right now. And if we're Christians, we're praying for those in our lives who aren't saved. Or those who will find this video and watch it later. Find this podcast and listen to it later. And find salvation. So God, we pray right now that they're asking you to forgive them for their sins. 
We're praying right now, Lord, that they will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Do that right now. And we're praying, Lord, that they will believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead because he is Lord and Savior. He is resurrected and he is alive and well. And we pray for you who has just now become a Christian and encourage you to get involved in a Bible-believing, Jesus-saves church. Find people and a family of God that will embrace you and help you to live out God's best in the world that's trying to do its worst to you. So God, we praise you and we thank you for all those who have been saved. For you doing a great and mighty eternal work. They are not headed to eternal disaster, but eternal just rejoicing and glory because you make it possible, God. And for those of us who are Christians, we pray now for that. The, the family of God, my brothers and sisters that, that make up the, the body of Christ. Lord, we pray that we will see this day with fresh eyes with renewed passion and a desire to fulfill your will. You have given us grace for one more day. And this day's not over yet. It might only have a couple hours left. It's still not over. We might be in early in the morning and got a whole day ahead of us. So God, help us to discern through the Holy Spirit your good step and purpose for this day. Help us to fill the gaps with grace and to, to love people in the way that you do and to just do Bible things in Bible ways and call Bible things by Bible names. Let's, let's do that. Let's bring Christ out there. Let's help people be stronger and closer to you just like Jesus so that people will be made alive in the Spirit through Christ and that they will draw closer to God. Boy, what a great purpose for our job. What a great purpose for our relationship. What a great purpose for the place where we live and just have fun. We love you, Lord. We thank you. It's for your glory, your praise, your credit that we make disciples and we live and we serve. Thank you for this great calling and created purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great and wonderful rest of the day.